What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Pods, Google Pods, and wherever podcasts are found. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is sponsored by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal offense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. You ready? Born ready. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, everyone? Hope everyone had a good week. We have an exciting, exciting episode here for you. Um, Mike and I had a fortunate opportunity. We got invited up to Essex Fells Country Club, play the course, see the property, uh, and have a sit-down interview or conversation, really, with uh, the head pro at Essex Fells. Uh, his name is Brian Gaffney. Brian is an absolute stud in the golfing world. Two-time PGA Player of the Year. He's got the course record of 63 at Quaker Ridge. He's got an amazing set of stories to tell from his various majors that he's played in, competitions, tournaments, and one of those stories includes the one and only Mr. Tiger Woods. Ever heard of him, Mike? Have you ever heard of Tiger Woods? I do. I think he's a pretty good golfer. He's pretty solid. So, uh, so make sure you stick around. Brian was 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 great. Just a, a great dude. Really nice to sit down with him. It was a great conversation with him, and then awesome to get to play um, a few holes with him. So we're gonna dive into that right now. But make sure you stick around for for Brian. Yeah, I also want to give a, a real quick Rod before you start into that. I I do want to give a shout out to to Julie Peluso. You know, she was oh, the absolutely. one that. Yeah, she, she was the one who kind of got us more or less in contact with Brian and Essex Fells. Um, you know, if it wasn't, you know, speaking with her, you know, way back in, in early February, um, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to actually get in front of Brian and talk to him, meet him, play the golf course. So I do want to give a little shout out to Julie for setting that whole thing up. Yeah, huge thank you, Julie. That was, it was incredible. And, and really, we had an incredible day on the course, on the property. It was, it was awesome. Mike, where do you want to start? Let's just talk about the whole day. I mean, like, I think the idea of when we got there, I really didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't. But I think when we got there and we met Brian and we saw the golf course, it was a, it was a wow factor. I was like, wow, this is really, really nice. Um, we had perfect weather, great company. We sat down, we talked to him. I mean, we had a really good interview. I mean, we probably spoke to him for over 90 minutes. And the stories he told were amazing. They, re- they really were. And I, and I don't want to give anything away, but obviously, you know, stay tuned and listen to that. But I think when we got on the golf course, you know, listen, from, from the driving range to what Brian was telling us about the, the course changes and the renovations that, you know, that were made, 
it was just a perfect day from the beginning to the end, more or less. Yeah, perfect's a good way to describe it. It's a really cool property. To think that it's just like a square in a, in a community, in like a neighborhood up in North Jersey. They've done some, I think the course was absolutely beautiful. You know, I, I love, I, I've mentioned a whole bunch. I know, I know I was chewing your ear off about how much the rock work I liked and the stone work on the thing. Just, they, it's really beautiful. They did a really nice job with the course and um, they've made some additions. Like you said, they added a driving range in, in the last couple of years. And yeah, it was, it, the course was, the course was pretty Clubhouse had beautiful views. It's it's definitely the highest point. Everything goes down, so you can see, you know, we're talking to Brian and sitting in like the dining room there, um, with the ninth green right behind us, and you know, view of the whole course. It was it was very very pretty, and I liked that it had, the, like the locker room had this old school feel to it, but everything was updated. The clubs from nineteen. 19- 19 what? When was the club created? I even thought it was earlier than that to be done. Actually, honest. now I that I say like, that, I don't want to say it was like something. 18, yeah, I want to say it was like 1895 or something. I thought I saw that on Brian's shirt that, that up there. Because it says on their website, 1896, well, a okay. small group of Essex Fells golf enthusiasts. So, so you know, it's obviously really old and, and I just like that they've kept a lot of the history there while updating the amenity, like the locker room and, and the grill room, and by no means is it is it outdated at all, but it does, you could definitely tell that it's from a a previous time period. Anyway, I, I like that sort of thing. It was, it was, it was incredible. Really nice day. Yeah. And, I, go ahead. No, I was just gonna, I was gonna dive into the golf course a little bit. You know, I think, you know, some of the things that really stood out to me, I, I you know, is I, I loved how the ninth hole came right back up towards the, the clubhouse right there. You had that little backdrop right there. Um, and then the 10th hole went straight down the hill, and I loved that. And I thought those two things, you know, were just like a classy, nice touch in terms of like you're still incorporating the clubhouse and it's not ending or finishing in a spot where you don't get to see it. it it's, it's full on. It's center of the property. Um and it just overlooks everything. And I think that's really cool for a lot of different reasons because if you're just hanging out, you watch people come up the, the 18th green or, or down the, the 10th green, um, come watch them come up nine. Like, it's a great little spot. And, and I thought that little, like, kind of little area was, was really cool. No doubt it was. And I'm actually trying to think, like, Mike, I want to ask you what your favorite hole was on the course. And, like, nine was great. That was a great hole going into it. Uh, ten was beautiful with the with the water on the right there, past the hole a little bit, but it kind of bleeds into that seventeen and eighteen T there. It was really good. What was your favorite hole? Man, that's a great question. I, I I guess just kind of thinking about it off the top of my head, you know, I I guess I liked ten a lot. I liked how the the flagpole was right there. I loved how like it was a long par three, but it was down down the hill, so. It, didn't play the the whole you know two hundred mm-hmm. plus, um, and and I think from standing at that tee box you got to just overlook and see everything, and, and I think that's one thing that like us as golfers we're sometimes so fixated on like how we're playing you know um, and not truly like living in the moment and being present and I think when I got on that tee box and I could just take a big deep breath and be like, and then look at all that mm-hmm. I just thought that was a perfect 
perfect synopsis of like, wow, look how cool this piece of property is. And we're fortunate enough to be invited to come play, to experience it, to meet Julian Bryan. To me, like that 10th hole may not have like any wow factor, but I think just standing on the tee and over the overlook of, of everything just was the thing that really stood out to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think I feel like that's the highest point on, as far as the golf course is concerned, where you could see everything, because um, the first tee is kind of set back a little bit. You don't really get the the right side of the course, so to speak, if that makes any sense. And it and it was the whole course was out in front of you, and you could see everything. That was that was a really really nice one. I did like that one. The Transfusion Cocktail is the golf club classic you know and love. For years, golfers have looked forward to this drink at the turn or in the clubhouse. Now, Lynx Drinks has created a brand of ready-to-drink transfusion vodka canned cocktails. The classic is made with vodka, ginger ale, and grape juice. The front nine with orange juice and the back nine with cranberry juice. All three are 7% ABV, gluten-free, and are made with natural ingredients and no preservatives. Lynx Drinks Transfusions are sold in foursome packs at over 3,000 locations and available in 16 states. Just grab it and go for a perfect tasting cocktail every time. On the course, the beach, a boat, or at a barbecue at home with family and friends, you can now enjoy this golf tradition anywhere. We think it will become your new favorite cocktail on or off the links, so go check them out at linksdrinks.com or on Instagram at linksdrinks. And let's talk about let's talk about your round though too. I think the audience <laughs> needs to hear it because I can't lie. I, I got a few text messages about you and your game from the Instagram reels that have been posted. And and people have said to me, it's like, yo, by the way, is your is your partner getting better? And I said, Listen, I, I kid you not, it's funny because we just had gotten done playing. And I said, You played the best golf. That I've seen now. Granted, I've only really seen you and been with you for the set past six months. Like this is kind of like a six-month project that we've been, you know, killing and, and and destroying. But watching you play, I was like, wow, you know, you're you're golfing. And no offense to what you were doing, but like you were mashing the golf ball, getting up and down like you had the softest hands for the biggest big fella I know, like just knocking it around, tapping the par putt in, knocking in the 15 footer. Like it wasn't like slappy. It was solid. And and I think you need to recap your round because clearly there's people that are watching that see the reels, that see the drives. And now on top of it, you put 18 holes together on a par 70 golf course that stretched over 6,500 yards. We played the blue tees, the back tees at Essex Fells, and my man golfed. Yeah, I uh, share I the secret sauce. No. Share the secret <laughs> the, sauce. The bro. secrets. I'm telling you, Mike. You know exactly what I'm gonna say. The secret sauce is is Dr. Mike. Uh, I really believe that. I, I feel um, without without really losing any weight, which I which I obviously need to do. I know I'm a big guy, but like. I feel more limber. I can feel myself turning. I said it. I said it last week. When we recap when we recapped our spring breaks, and I know I told you. I feel like I'm hitting. My ball striking is really good. I feel like it's hitting the club face flush, 
solid, and consistently. And I think that that it hasn't equated to like hitting greens. Remember, I, I said like I didn't hit any greens, but I had all tap in bogeys because I'd I chip up, I'd miss the eight footer, tap in, and and get my bogey. So it's going to take some time to sharpen those tools and get them and get them into get them onto you know to really put around together because they still come out as you saw. But but really the best part of my game, and while I think I hit it really well up there, it was the putting. I mean, I, I shot 39 on the front, and I two-putted one of the holes. I hit a bomb on nine to, you know, I, I went I went right into the, you know, dribbled into the rough, came up short, was in the bunker, had a, a tough bunker shot because the, bunk, the face of that bunker was, was super high, but I got it up on the green, and I was like, okay, two-putt, here's my bogey. Like, that. that's it. And I made... 40 footer how far was that was that 40 50 feet i mean it was a it was a bomb putt and i never make i'm i've said it before i don't think i'm a very good putter but i i i I was rolling it great the only and the only time i two putted was on a par three i hit the green two putt and i had good speed on it wasn't like i made a a bad putt and had to make so i had another tap in so uh, the putting really saves you, as Brian says out there. He, he's that's what he said. It was the best part of his game, and putting saves everything. It doesn't matter if you know if you hit the driver, two fifty, and then and then you have a three wood onto a green. If you can make putts, you're gonna it's gonna make up for everything, and it really did on the front, and it cooled off on the back for sure. And I, I played worse on the back, but I don't think I hit the ball worse on the back. I think the putter just cooled off. Like I, I think I hit the ball well all day. I think that's I think it's a fair I think that's a fair statement. I think you'd agree. It was it was consistent throughout the whole day. I'm not gonna lie. Felt really good to to uh to play that well in front of someone who is that good at golf. It it really did. Uh, yeah listen I mean I thought you hit the ball tremendous. Your 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 putting was just out of this world. There's no doubt about it. And even on the back now and I know you said you didn't play particularly well but I mean, I I think if I'm thinking of back to the round, you had two or three like lip outs. Like it wasn't like you were missing putts badly. Like no. that ball lipped out. There was the one birdie putt on eleven, the par five, where you decelled, and mm-hmm. it was still dead in the heart. Yeah, that might have been the worst putt that you had. But other than that, oh, like, that's right. You know what? I, I said I started bogey double double. No, I went bogey pu- par double par- double because, yeah. because the rock hole you doubled because you whacked it out of bounds. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, you you played very well. Yeah, so uh, so to the audience and the people that text me and DM me, like, yes, the big fella's handicap is on a downward trend. So let's keep that secret. Let's keep that secret to you and me, and then we'll and then we'll uh, and we'll take yep. it to the course. You guys, you guys can go to the Gin app and you can favor this. The last name is Kulat, K U L A T. You can favor that little guy, you know, and then you can check those numbers because. I check it. That thing is trending downward, and I'd rather have him on my team than against him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it is. Uh, and and Mike, so this is all new to me because, and we're we're getting off of Essex Fells now. But I've I've been a single digit handicap one time in my life, and I got to a nine point nine at the end of a golf season, a couple summers. It's more than a couple summers ago now, like 2016, maybe 17. 
So like, and it was right at the end. Like I played, I played really well. I got it to like at 9.9. I literally took a screenshot and I go, look, single digit handicap now. And I just, it's, it's not like my history in golf is not that, is not that it's, it's right in that, um, you know, it get it's got, it floats in between that, like 11 to 15, um, 15, usually at the beginning of the year or like rounds from the previous year, counting in that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm striking the ball well and it's, and it's new for me. So it's, it's a little, it's a little nerve wracking cause it's a new, it's a new venture, but it's, uh, it's also exciting to be like, Hey, I can, I feel like I'm golfing the ball now. Um, and I don't want to put people on notice because I don't want to. I'm a. I'm not that guy, and b. I don't. I don't. I can't fully buy into it yet because it's so new. It's like okay, the other shoe is going to drop. There's going to be a round where I go triple. Where I start off pulling the woods out of bounds, triple, 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 and it's just oh, that guy I know. I'm familiar with that guy. Well, I hope it's that day. I hope you do that day when we play one on one. I don't need you to go 83 <laughs> when we're you know when we're you know. Right, you were getting. I mean, you you shot seventy nine. Like you had a, you had a day yourself. Beat me by four, and I think you were supposed to be giving me twelve. Eleven, strokes? we counted. Eleven, 11. strokes. <laughs> yeah, we. Had, so we were saying, you know, we checked the handicaps on the way up, and I said, you know, if we're having a match day, I'd have to give you eleven shots. And knowing how I'm playing, and knowing you know how well you played down on spring break, I was like, this is not something I can bite and you know chew off here because <laughs> I, I was on the ropes just to lose straight up. Forget about giving shots. If we had a match, forget about it. I completely, I, I really smoked. thought, I really thought I had you, and then I, I didn't, I didn't recognize how well you played on the back, uh, which is, which is credit to you. You, you played, again, just figured it out and started rolling, rolling pars, and instead of, instead of bogeys, and you hit the ball. Your driver was minus that snap hook on thirteen somewhere on the back. There was one drive that I remember all day that wasn't like a beautiful draw that just hit the fairway. I, yeah, I mean, listen, I hit the drive well. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't putt particularly well. Now Brian did mention that the the greens were just being, you know, um, getting back to form. They were aerated a few. They weeks were still back. healing. They were, yeah, they were, they were like the end of two weeks of healing. Yeah, exactly. And and I could just, I couldn't get the speed the way you were just rolling. It's so true. I'd either bang it by in three putt or I'd leave it short in three putt or grinding over three footers. And the really the difference in the front and the back was I made the putts on the on those, you know, comebackers or those testers on the back and I didn't make them on the front. So, you know, but listen, it was a great day. The weather was perfect. The company was great. The food was very good. Matera's Italian Market and Catering Company is located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey at 72 Park Avenue and has everything you need for an authentic Italian table. Recently celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Matera's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door. Imported retail products, cheeses and cold cuts, freshly baked bread, and the creamiest fresh mozzarella. All can be ordered on the Matera's On Park app in Apple and Google stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. So give them a follow on Instagram, at Matera's Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao, Matera's. You walk in a stranger, leave as family.
I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you the question about the carts because, again, I know that's like your your baby because you care so adamantly about the cart. It came up in conversation as we we're riding around, and I'm sure there's a person in the audience that listens along and is kind of waiting for you to kind of dive down that road about, oh, the carts. Now, listen, does it have what Ryan is looking for? I don't know, but I, I'm going to pass the baton to you and let you talk a little bit about your baby here. So uh, I, I've said this before, you, you're like the competitive golfer, you're the, you know, you're the competition golfer on, on, this, uh, on this part, and I'm the, you know, quote unquote, every man, I would say, like the, like the guy, I, I get texts and, and DMs from people that are like, I care about the golf cart, like I care about being comfortable in it, because I got to drive it all over the place, whereas you're just driving it down the fairway. <laughs> so uh, I, I... <laughs> I need to talk to my people right now. I thought the golf court was was very nice. I thought it really was. Didn't have a GPS, but quite quite lovely. Seats were comfortable. Yeah, I I, I gave it I gave it an A. You, you don't need to have a GPS or need to have a a hundred cup holders like you always say. I need it. Just needs to be it. Just needs to be a good a good ride. And I think for that, like golf carts are are easy for that. Like it, it doesn't take a whole lot of work to just have it be rather nice. So golf carts were good. They, they got a solid grade there. Yeah. And I will say probably at, at a private golf course like Essex Fells, I think you'd probably be surprised with how many um, GPS may even be on the golf carts because they typically have caddies. We saw a lot of caddies out there carrying bags for caddying. So, you know, in terms of like getting the yardage or the numbers, you know, those, those guys are typically responsible for that, which is probably why they don't have the GPS on the carts. Totally. And that's totally fair, too. Like, again, and again, it doesn't need to have a GPS in order for it to be nice. It just, that can be a nice feature on it. That's all. Yeah, but listen, all in all, phenomenal day. If, if you ever get the opportunity to go up there and play Essex Fells, you know, the, the undulation of the golf course is, is surprising because you probably don't really expect that going there. Um, but the ups, the downs, you know, some holes did have blind shots and, and some holes, um, you kind of got what you saw, but I, I thought the golf course was really fun to play. Um, the idea that it's a par 70 helps all the golfers because you can shoot a little lower than you normally would because nine bogeys only shoots, gets you at 79. So you're not at 81 compared to others, other places. And that makes you feel a lot better about your score. Well, that's, um, and, and I thought about that on the ride home. I was like, wow, I hit the ball well. I shot 83. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's a par 70. So it's more like an 85. So. Yeah, but it's, it's still 83 because that's how many shots it took you to get the ball in the hole. So, right. you know, great company. You know, I, I can't thank Julie and Brian enough for, for having us there. So um, overall, great day, great experience. Yeah, it it really was. Uh, again, it was top notch all the way around. They were super accommodating for us. Again, Brian sitting down with us for as long as he did, and then playing with us while juggling his schedule was amazing. Julie was terrific. Um, the service there was top notch. It was it was excellent. It really was a wonderful experience. And if you get an opportunity, you get invited to play. You get you know whatever the case is. Go play it. It was it was awesome. Really was. Thank you guys for having us. It was tremendous. All right, Ryan, real quick, before you send it over to, to Brian Gaffney in the interview, I, I do want to give a quick little shout out to to Steve and Brian Sikowski, you know, two brothers that were the medalist at the first NJ SGA four ball qualifier up at Galloping Hill. 
those two guys, I, I know they listen and follow along, so I wanted to give them a little bit of a shout-out. They fired a 6-under 65 to be the medalists at the uh, first four ball qualifiers, and they're off and running. They'll be able to participate in the championship out at Hamilton Farm May 16th to the 18th. And I also you know, just want to give a shout-out to everybody else that I do know that you know there's three more qualifiers for the NJSGA that's, that's coming up for this four ball. Uh, I know one will already have gone and played before, uh, this episode is is out so that you know congrats to whoever ended up winning that one and then I know there's a couple the following week as well so you know if you're not if you haven't signed up for some of the NJSGA championships go over take a peek njsga.org um, I know some of the dates are starting to to close so make sure that if you're looking to be competitive and compete a little bit um, go sign up yeah congrats to those guys thanks for listening it's nice to have some some golf community guys that are out there competing and, and following us. So thank you, guys. That's it for Mike and I today. A uh, little recap of Essex Fells, and, and um, we got Brian Gaffney on. As I said, two-time uh, NJPGA winner, uh, or player of the year, I should say. Just a wholesome guy, and it was, it was great. We sat down for over an hour and a half with him and, and talked. He's got a ton of great stories um, he's got some guys he gives some shout-outs to. Uh, his his buddies at Philly Cricket was was a great story. He's got a couple great Tiger Woods stories. So make sure you stick around and enjoy the interview. Enjoy. All County Exteriors is a third-generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and parents of autistic children. If you have planned to do any exterior remodeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. All right, so today we're here with none other than Brian Gaffney, head golf professional at Essex Fells Country Club. Brian is a two-time NJ PGA Player of the Year. He's also participated in six major championships. Um, Brian, thanks for having us. Well, thank you guys for doing this. Yeah. Appreciate it. Awesome. <clears throat> thanks for coming. So I guess kind of get us started a little bit on, on your journey as a golf professional, kind of like where you started. Um, and then kind of how you ended up back here, more or less, at Essex Fells. Wow. Uh, well, early on, um, I caddied and worked on a maintenance crew at Plainfield Country Club. And, um, well, I was fortunate my parents were members there. But we weren't really the kind of members where, you know, we played on Saturday mornings. And, you know, we always carried our bag in the afternoon. We were not sort of hanging out at the pool eating chocolate eclairs. We were, <laughs> we were just sort of like, you know, a family was kind of hanging on there. And... Um, my parents were going to move when I was in college, and I and I realized then. I mean, I knew I was lucky, but I realized then that um, 
I've got this amazing opportunity that my parents are members of Plainfield Country Club. Like, who gets that? But as a kid, you don't know it. Um, so then I got the reality of that. Um, and I really liked golf, and I caddied a lot. And there was a guy, his name was Tom Selleck. He owned, a, he owned an insurance company, and he, he played a lot of golf. And uh, when I was in college, and I was getting towards the end of college, I, he said, do you want to work for my insurance company? And uh, so I talked to my dad, and he said, you know, you can always do the insurance, but you like the golf. You've been doing it through college. You know, take a shot at the golf, and if, and if that doesn't work, you can always do the insurance. And now that I'm in golf, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Why didn't I do the insurance thing? These guys play golf yeah. all the time, and those amateurs are the guys that play in the Masters. You know, like, not that I would by any stretch. But um, so anyway, uh, uh, during college, towards the end of college, um, I was playing at Montclair State University. My head golf profession, or head golf coach was Pete Famiano. And uh, he was at Crestmont Country Club, a real influential guy in the, in the section. And um, I ended up playing in a, in a match with the head pro from Plainfield and then the head pro from Echo Lake. It was like a, an inner club thing. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was my interview for should I, would this guy want to hire me at Echo Lake? Long story short, I end up right out of college, like I finished college the next day, I'm over at Echo Lake, um, starting my job as an assistant pro. And um, and then, you know, I was an assistant pro there, I went to Manasquan, um, I left to play full time, and then I worked my way through a bunch of different clubs, and then I was at Rumson Country Club as a head golf professional, and I thought I'd be there forever. We had a wonderful life there at the beach, two kids, and. Um, and then this job came up, which I was not interested in, um, up in New York. And I got a call like in June, are you interested? And I said, no, I'm good, everything's good here. July came around, like, I don't know anything about it. If you can get me some information, that'd be great, but I'm not interested. And then in August, the head pro called me and he said, Brian, I'm, I'm calling you because your name keeps coming up. And uh, I said, I don't really know anything about the job. And, and so he talked and he said, you know, here's all the things you're going to need to do, which was nothing that I was doing. It's like play and teach and hang out and be an ambassador. And we're going to pay you like a boatload of money. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to be filthy rich. <laughs> and so obviously, you know, I'm back in New Jersey. Um, it, it just, I was the wrong guy at the wrong time um, for them and for me. And, and so um, thankfully I had the ability to just say, guys, I'm out. And, um, you know, thank God I'm back here at Essex Fells Country Club where I worked as an assistant pro. And, and this is it. Like, this is the last job I want to have. Um, so, you know, really fortunate that I've had a few different jobs. I never thought I would be the guy that bounced around. Each, each head golf professional I worked for, Mike Preston at Echo Lake, uh, Brent Studer at Manasquan, and Russ Helwig here. They were all, that was their only job. Now, Brent has since moved on, but, but Mike Preston and Russ Helwig, that was the only job they ever had. And I just thought that's what I would do. Um, but now looking back, like I've bounced a little bit, not by design, but um, uh, this is where I am. And, and you know, from the, the peaks and valleys, I, I wouldn't change it because where we are today, like my family, um, we're in such a good place with so many different things that we've just been blessed that like, this is where we are. And I want to try and make this the best I can make it here at the Fells. Yeah. It's nice when you can make it home. You know, like you said, you live across the street and you're, you know, super fortunate that this is a family to you. You have your family, wife, kids, but this yeah. seems like, without saying it, this seems like this is your family here. 
It has, and, and the beauty is I knew some of the members when I worked here in 2002 and three, and, uh, and when I came back, I knew what I was coming back into, and they've got, I don't know what it is in the water here, but um, it's a nice, fun, relaxing club, yeah. you know, and, and sort of family matters more than some other things that are important at other clubs. Um, so they've accepted me back, you know, into their family, but also my kids, like, when I came back, um, and, and so we rent a house from the club right on the side of the property. Um, they said, your kids are welcome at the pool. And they were like five and seven or something, maybe, maybe a little bit older. Um, and so they just went there all day and they hung out at the pool and they could walk from the house to the pool. How lucky am I? Right. Then I got my first bill from the from the snack bar, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I spent like 400 bucks in like in less than a month in the snack bar." And, and I said to my wife, "All right, we gotta like curtail this whole thing." And she said, "Look, they don't eat anything, and if they're only eating there, like let's let them eat. It's only three months." So, so, so um, they've they've accepted the boys there, and and now the boys are a little bit older, where they're helping out in the bag room and the golf shop, and you know sometimes maybe that's not the perfect look, but. But um, again, that's part of what's made it easier for me as a as a father and as a husband that 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 they're welcome and I can be near them. That's yeah. that's huge. I think that goes again to the family thing. Like they've brought your family in and yeah. again working a bag room, being close. That's that's a nice. Yeah, I think it's nice unique, thing. and that's that's why I say like I'm just blessed to be here. And, 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 you know, like part of it is let's make it the best Essex Fells we can. And the other part of it is like, don't mess up. So let's dive into the playing career. Yeah. Um, because obviously, you know, when you talk about New Jersey golf, you are a household name. You're one of those guys that I think a lot of people always expect to be at the leaderboard, top of the leaderboard. And I'm sure you do as well. Um, you know, so let's talk about being here in New Jersey and obviously, you know, a two-time NJPGA player of the year. Um, what are some things that you remember most about, you know, those two years specifically? Because correct me if I'm wrong, it was back-to-back -back that you won that, those two awards. So, like, you know, what do you remember most about those two years, maybe more so than others? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, kind of like a sort of 10,000 foot view of my, of my game and my playing career. Um, as an assistant pro at, at Echo Lake, I was okay. And then when I went to Manisquan, I, I sat down with Brent when he was gonna hire me and I said, uh, I'll do all of those things that you need, but here's what I wanna do. I'll try and Monday qualify for these things. I'm gonna become a better player. And he, he got behind me on that. And it was something crazy, like July 4th weekend, I was away playing in a Nike tour event. And you know, the other staff was like, where's this guy going? Like, we're working, where's he going? And that was all part of the deal set up beforehand. So when you look at my career, there's these sort of peaks and valleys. And, and so when I, when I became a head pro for the first time, I had to figure that out. Like, I have to figure out how to run a business, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy. So, <laughs> so like, I can be nice and, and figure that end out, but I've got to also like, it's not a hobby. I need to make money at this. And, mm -hmm. and so, it took me a couple of years to get my feet under me and then I started to win. And I won because I worked hard at it. I work harder than other people. Um, you know, we're gonna play a couple holes later. I, I, you'll see, I hit it, 
I carry it 235 with my driver. You know, my driver's speed when I haul off on it is like 100 miles an hour. But my cruising speed is like 96, 97 miles an hour. So I'm like at a huge disadvantage to other players, but that's just who I am. Like that's, that's how I, that's You're where wrong. I am. I'm 135 pounds, you know? So it's hard for me to do whatever right. I do. It's one of my legs. So, cheeseburgers and fries, right? So, so, um, so what, I was a head pro at White Beaches. Um, took me a year to kind of figure things out. And then I won the next year, just one of the majors. And then, and then I got the job at Rumson. And here I am at like the greatest job, right? And it took me a couple of years to kind of figure that out, get my feet underneath me, get the staff going. And then I started to play a little bit and it was 2009. I said, all right, I'm going to um, really try and focus on this a little bit. And then um, 2009, I like started to do some fitness stuff and then I started to practice more. And, and then I played in a major in 2009. And I, and I like that, but I realized how much work it was to do that. And like, I can't do that all the time. Like I can't be a good father, a good husband, and then a good head golf pro, and then like a mentor to staff, and then like, oh yeah, try and run a business and then play golf. Something always gives, and it's usually the golf. So you'll see these peaks and valleys. And then, um, so I was working at it, but I got kind of burned out because 2010, I was qualified for the national championship, the PPC, and, and I'm, I'm like, I, I can't do this much work, I'm out. So I just withdrew, like a month wow. before the event. Because wow. I knew I couldn't put in the time that was gonna require me to then try and finish in the top 20, and I didn't wanna do it if I'm not gonna finish in the top 20. Because that's time away from work and all that. So, you know, I, I end up focusing at home. And, and then I win player of the year 2011. I started to focus again. And then 2012, um, I really had the goal of like, okay, I want to try and play real well and see what I can do. So I had like fitness stuff I was doing um, so I could get up above 135 pounds. And then, <laughs> and then I was practicing. And, and, and the reality is my practice is before my job or after my job. So that's, that's like by the time end of April rolls around early May, it's like 5.30 in the morning, it's light. So I've got to be hitting balls as it's getting light. So 5.30 to like 7.30, I would hit balls. Well, as I started to practice and I knew I was doing it, I then got my staff together and I said, okay guys, here's my goals for the year. I want to play, I want to play and qualify for this and, and do these things. And so then when I would come in, when they would come in in the morning and they didn't see me, they would say like, well, did you practice? like wow they're buying into this mm -hmm. now it wasn't like i was just gone all day practicing i would just practice in the morning but then i would like focus and then try and get them the things they needed to do to be the best they could be and then it was like this this swell of things were coming and so 2011 i played real well and then 2012 i tried to kick it up a little bit 2012 i played um i think i won like the first major maybe and then went to u.s open and I had been close at the U.S. Open a handful of times, like in the sectional. And, you know, you get nervous, you yeah. like fumble, and uh -huh. I've only got this much talent. So it's like I'm on the borderline of trying to make it into this thing. And um, I'll never forget, I was coming down the stretch, and, and I was really nervous. And uh, I had maybe four holes to go, and it was falling apart, you know, like leaking oil everywhere. <laughs> and um, somebody came up to me. Plug in with bubble gum. Right, just right, like right. You know, I know I can slice it. And so... 
somebody came up and I said, you know, what is the number? And they said, I don't know, it was like 600 or something. And I was at six and I had just made a bogey. And I remember being so mad that I made bogey. Like, I'm not gonna mess this up now if I'm this close. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up getting in. Um, I made a birdie somewhere in the last few holes and I had like a, <laughs> this is funny, I had like a downhill 12 footer canoe brook, the south course on the other side of the tracks, on the other side of the highway. 18th hole, I hit a six iron up there to like 12 feet above the hole, downhill right to left. And I'm like, here I'm going. I'm going to make this to US Open. This is what we do on the putting green all the time. I'm going to make this to get in the US Open. And I hit this putt and it's perfect. And it's going down the hill. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And it's like, and stops right short of the hole. I'm like, oh no, how do you leave it short <laughs> at the moment that you need it? And um, so whatever, thankfully it was, I was in. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but so I played the, U.S. Open, and then I went and qualified um, later, like a couple weeks later for, played the U.S. Open, then I qualified for the PGA Championship. Um, that's its own sort of four-day um, championship, national championship, and I was sort of in contention there, which was nice, and then I went to the PGA. So that was a pretty good year. Mm -hmm. The funny thing was, that year in the section, they award points for different events. Now, if you win a section major championship, it's a 1,000 points. If you qualify for a major championship, it was like 100 points. Wow. So I missed, I forget, maybe one or two of the major championships in New Jersey, but I played in the US Open and the PGA, and it looked like I wasn't going to win the PGA, the, the player of the year, which is fine. Right. But it was like the last event of the year, I needed to finish like first or second. I, I forget what it was. And I think I finished up, you know, I obviously finished up there. Maybe somebody fumbled, I don't know, but I ended up winning the player of the year by like a couple points. And it was, I was on the tournament committee and they were talking like at the end of the year, should we change the points? I'm like, I can't really be the guy who's got to comment. <laughs> oh, that's a simple, yeah, that's a yes. Yeah. That's a simple yes. And it did change. I was, I, that was going to be my follow-up. I was like, I was going to, I hope yeah, that it yeah, changes it because that doesn't seem right in right. the scheme of things right. when you have one up here and then one's a little mm -hmm. below that. But the reality is like, you know, A, we're so fortunate to be able to do this and B, like, I'll give you a player of the year if you let me play in a major. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think, I think think anybody that has won that award would say, listen, you want me to go play the U.S. Open or PGA, I'd love to go do that. Take this flat. Yeah. yeah, but by the way, like you're going to be totally embarrassed at a PGA championship or a U.S. Open. Like, golf is impossible. But I still think sometimes it isn't it the experience. It is. And then it's... it's um, because I think you, I think at some point you toss out the results and say, "Listen, okay, I know that I'm not Tiger, and I know that I'm not Phil, and I'm not these out these guys that, but to be able to step back in ten years to look and see, like, dude, I hit balls next to these guys, or I saw them in person. I think that experience would far outweigh like the embarrassment of maybe my result." Yeah, and, and certainly the pain for all of us goes away in all the golf that we played. You know, like at the moment, it just it, life couldn't be worse. And then later on, we're like, well, that wasn't so bad. Right. Um, and we do. I mean, I do. You know, kind of revel in some of the nice experiences that have happened, um, rather than you know the, the bad. Yeah, and you've had some pretty good experiences. I mean, I I know that like we talk a lot on the show about like kind of doing the research and and finding you know, the stories behind it. And I, I know that like you were fortunate to play with Tiger in a practice round at the PGA in 2000. Um, and then I do know in like 2015, you made the cut at the PGA. You got a nice picture there with Jason Day. 
you know, the the, uh, the, the Gaffney's army was out there in full support. Like, you know, I, I saw all that stuff out there, and I, and I was like, I was like, these are these are stories and experiences that like I know the audience loves hearing. So like, why don't you tell us first about like the practice round with Tiger? What is something like that like? So looking back. I mean, that's 20-something years yeah. ago. Looking back, <laughs> you know, I had a full head of hair. Maybe a buck 40? Yeah. Maybe yeah. 40? Yeah, I was definitely higher. When I, when I left Masquan to go play full-time, um, I remember, um, you know, working on diet, exercise, practice, coach, re- coach, and rest. Like, all of those things were really important. And I was, like, 150, maybe 55 pounds at the time. But that was, that was what I did. That was my job, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be a better player. So in 2000, if you look at Tiger's career, that was the peak of his play. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that was the time. Yeah. That's a time. If you want to play with Tiger, like that, that is the early time. 2000s. And, and it was funny because, you know, I was working in the bag room at a place. I left, I left my sort of working career to go try and make it play. Um, and I was just, I just happened to be working in the bag room at, a, at Admiral's Cove Club in Florida. And um, nobody knew me there, and I didn't want anybody to know me. I was just kind of hitting balls, not there, but on the side, playing mini tour events as much as I could. And I was in South America and like and back in Europe and trying to play. So anyway, I, I um, qualified for, it was my first time eligible to try and qualify as a PGA member at, in 99. And so I go, I play, and qualify for the PGA Championship. And I guess about two weeks before the event or, or so, um, I went over to play a couple practice rounds, talked to the head pro, and he was great, set me up. And he said, the, the first day you're going to be there, like, let's say I got there on a Monday afternoon, the golf course is open, but it's going to be closed Tuesday until the event. So I played Monday afternoon, and they, they, he set me up with some members. We had a great time and played. Tuesday morning, I come out, and the place is closed, um, and I'm by myself in a cart, and I'm on the back nine, and the, the guy who was a tournament director for the PGA of America at the time, Scott King, came over and he said, um, how are you doing and how's it going? And, and he said, do you know who that is up there? I said, I don't. Is that Tiger? And he said, yeah. I said to myself, how cool is that? I'm on the golf course with Tiger <laughs> on the same night. And, and this is the year he won the U.S. Open by 15 shots at Pebble. Oh, a couple, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a little while later, he goes and plays the, the British Open and wins it by like eight shots at something like that at St. Andrews. And like a week later, we're playing together. <laughs> so, so there he is on the golf course. And he said, you should, you should go up and try and play with him. And I said, uh, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, you should. This is, like, this is an amazing opportunity. And he had his caddy, Steve Williams, with him. And uh, he, he said, Brian, you should do this. And I said, uh, no. And um, I think this is really cool that we're on the same nine. And uh, he said, okay, here's the deal. I already talked to him. You're going to go meet him over on the first tee. Um, he's on 16, you're on 15 or 14 or something. Just go over to the first tee. He'll be, when you when he gets there, he knows that you're going to be there. And I'm like, no. So I go over to the first tee, and there's a putting green right there, and I'm hitting three-footers waiting for him. I'm hitting three-footers like they're 15-footers, and they're like bang in the back of the cup. And so um, I'm just nervous. And he drives up, and... Uh, uh, I just, you know, he kind of looked at me and nodded, and so I walked over, and I was probably, I don't know, 40 feet from him, so I walked over, and, and I said, hey, um, I said, hey, Tiger, my name's Brian Gaffney, and I put my hand out, we shook hands, and uh, I said, um, is it 
is it, uh, I forget how I said it, but like, would it be okay if I played a couple holes with you? And, uh, and he kind of looked me up and down and he's like, sure, come on. I'm like, what? <laughs> so here I am. I go over to the first tee. I say hello to Steve. And I said, hey, I'm Brian. I said, I'll play fast and stay, I'll, I'll play quick and, pl and stay out of the way. And he's like, good, because we're going to play fast. And he kind of like lasered me in the eyes. So, um, so I grab the ball, I get my driver, and, and, and there's Tiger. And he's he's big dude. Um, and his swing is like shockingly wide. And he hits a driver, I'm going to say, 75 yards right of the fairway. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he hits it just a million miles right. And, uh, and he hit another, and he hits it in the fairway, and you know, we work our way around. One interesting thing is he hit those drives a little bit off a couple times, but Steve Williams took forever and found the ball. Like, they didn't leave his golf ball around, wow. which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't wow. know why. Um, so It's the one that say Tiger on him? I don't know if it did. You know, and, and at the time, it was kind of weird. It was a bridge. It was a... It was a Nike like ball. It was a Nike ball. And the crazy thing is I knew a guy who makes the golf ball for Nike. And I said at one point, do you know Stan Grissinger? And he said, yeah, how do you know him? And I said, oh, he's a, kind of a family friend. And, and he said, so do you know him as Stick? And I said, I do. Wow, that's pretty cool. Like, so then there was some validity to who I was. Yeah. And so we played a couple holes. And I like, you know, bump it down the fairway and, and we're on the, I don't know, like second or third, fourth hole. And, and he said, so how'd you get in this? And I said, well, I'm a club pro. I played in this thing that got me in. He said, where'd you finish? How'd you finish? And I said, I finished seventh and in the national championship. And he's like, that's pretty cool. So how are you playing? I'm like, how am I playing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm doing okay for a club pro. Uh -huh. um, how are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> Like, how's it going for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't heard much about yeah. you. So, what are you doing these days? Right. So, so it, you know, it was it was really easy, and he made it easy. Like, mm -hmm. he asked me about like, you know, what kind of work I do, and and where do I live, and and I said I live in North Palm Beach, Florida, and he said, oh, um, he said, is that is that near Riviera Beach? I said, it's right next door. And he said, I, that's funny, I do my scuba diving at the, at the marina there. And I said, that's funny, I run by that almost every day. And if it wasn't Tiger, if it was like, you know, Carl Pedersen or like, you know, Jason Bone or something, I would say, hey, next time you're in town, let me know. There's a great burger joint, the brass ring right behind where I live. And like, I work at this place, we'll go play. But it, it wasn't, you know, it's Tiger, right? so you don't say that. Um, so in, in, in a little sidebar here, fast forward, I'm, I'm doing some interview at the U.S. Open 2012, 12 years later, this story comes up. And the guy said, the guy's interviewing me, said, you know, it's funny, if you did say that, you probably would have because all he's got is like people that just suck life from him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've got nothing to offer and nothing to whatever. <laughs> I would just be a dude yeah. that like, yeah. Yeah. can have, you know, hang out. And, and maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't, but you know, our lives are pretty different. Um, he doesn't, His life is different from a lot of people. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know how many shirts to buy for, you know, a rack for each season, you know, like silly stuff like that. But anyway, we're, we're on the ninth hole at Valhalla and um, Steve Williams says, like, get after, you're going to need to get after this one. It's a dogleg right, par four up the hill. 
And on the corner, there's like a short right bunker and a long left bunker at the dogleg. And I was up first and I piped my driver 255 right between the two bunkers. And then it goes up to the right. And he swings and he hits another one way right. And, um, and it was kind of funny. I noticed like his feet sort of tore up the turf on the tee as he hit. I'm like, oh, wow, he hits it a long way, but he hits a long way right. And then he's watching it and watching it and watching it. His ball went out the fairway, up the fairway to the right. His ball went up into the fairway through the dog leg. And so he had like 100 yards into the green. And so I had 155 yards uphill. I popped my little six iron to like 15 feet, which was good. <laughs> and he's got 103 yards, hits a little sand wedge to like three feet. I'm like, we are not playing the same game. <laughs> now he's Tiger and all that. Right, like, right. Not that he wouldn't smoke me anyway from 155 yards, right. but like, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a different world. So different, and it's awesome. Yeah. And he hit it straight up in the air yeah. with all his clubs, and it was like, you know, your jaw just sort of drops. And I was trying to play at the time, and it was like, you know, it, this, we are in two different worlds. Well, I think, I think when you're comparing yourself to a guy that, at, when you look now at his career, he was at the peak of it. Yeah. And, and then when you, like... I know the comparison they always say like is the thief of all joys so, like me trying to compare myself to like you it's like i shouldn't do that because you're way better than me and it's probably the same thing when you're looking at tiger as much as you want to be like i want to get there he's already at the top of the mountain looking down at everybody no doubt. No doubt. Um, so no matter what like that is crazy we have that six degrees of separation i look at mike like that mike looks at you sure. like that you sure. look at tiger yeah, yeah but there's like three that's people it. in between me and yeah. tiger. oh there's like five how, people between you yeah. yeah. that's not that, how many at that point like you're you're young you're trying to get to be you know trying to play full-time and that kind of stuff how much of seeing how how high up that level is now now again there's levels below tiger that are still professional but like how much did that round either either like grind you into I need to hit balls constantly now or like I'm going to do this for a few years and see what money I can make but I'm never going to be like did it do any of that kind of stuff to you seeing like if that's the level I, I'm, I can't get to that you know what um, I mean like I'm not physically gifted enough to do that uh, no because I think we all have it whatever yeah. it is now we have limitations on what those it's are um, you know I think I don't think it now, but like, I think there are times where we say, maybe this is the best we're going to be. Yeah. And, and, um, so your, to answer your question, I, I was more inspired after I played with him okay. to like, I've got to work harder and do more things to do at the end of the day to answer the question. Did I do today what I need to do to be the best I can be? Mm -hmm. And, and that's a hard question to answer, but there were days where I would be exhausted. Again, I'm working in the bag room, so I'm working like a few days a week. The days I'm not working, my ball striking is the weakness. So I would spend, like you have a job, you work 10, 12 hours a day. So I would spend 10 hours hitting balls. So I need to bring my little peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I bring, need to bring my stuff because I got no money. Um, I'm not like going into a restaurant to go have lunch. I'm like, you know, eating Ritz crackers. So, so I would bring all that stuff to the range and then I would just sit on the bench and eat my little sandwich and then go back and do it. So it would take me about, it would take me about, it's about a hundred balls an hour. So 10 hours would be a thousand balls. So what if I had a thousand balls in a day, I knew I accomplished something. Okay. 
And it's not just, you know, you've got to creativity with doing that. But you also have to have, like, um, your hands have to be beaten up. You have to have enough rest. You have to have the right nutrition. You have to have the right coaching to know what you're doing. And so I took a couple lessons at the time, but I've never had lessons. So I just was, like, trying to figure out what I was. So I was inspired by him. But when I went to that PGA, that year I played with um, Andrew Coltarn, who had just played in the, in the Ryder Cup, and Kevin Sutherland, who was, like, knocking on the door, finishing second. And I remember thinking after I was done, I sat down with Kevin Sutherland for a little while and we chatted. I said, what do you think I need to do? And he's like, well, your short, short game's really good. Like your ball striking's pretty rough. And um, so, but we weren't that far different. But I shot sort of 75 and he shot 72. And he hit it sort of just on the edge of the green and I hit it just sort of off. He hit it just into the bunker and I was just right at the bunker. Like he hit a bunker shot to four feet, I hit it to 10 feet. So all of those percentages data-wise are completely different. So when you add it up at the end of a day, let's say, I just say 75, 72, I think he shot, maybe he was two shots better than me. And and then like that's two shots, four shots, eight shots, mm-hmm. 10 shots so over a round of a yeah. tournament. Yeah. And like, wow, I got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So I was more inspired, but that's where I was like, that year, I think I went to second stage of Q school when it was back, it was different back then. And it was like, okay, I think I can get, I know I can get to this place. Mm-hmm. So I was getting better, but um, it takes so much time. And it's the experiences of like, all right, so I've hit a zillion balls, my hands are all beaten up, and but my hands are now callous to be able to hit that many balls. So because I'm working harder than you, I should be better than you, is my thought in my head. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, now, like, I've got a, a, a let's just call it a 100-mile-an-hour clubhead speed. You know, it's it's roughly three yards every mile per hour with a driver. So I'm, I'm starting 60 yards short of everybody. Like, man, I know I can carry it 235 when I hit it pretty well. But when I don't hit it well, it doesn't carry 235. Like, I remember going to Baltimore hitting it a little bit goofy, and the track man numbers were like, 215, 220 carrying it. I'm like, holy moly. I'm playing a 10,000 yard golf course compared to these guys. Now that's fine, but I've always been that guy that's hitting, you know, fairway woods and hybrids or whatever. Um, but I I guess the only thing I would think to myself, like, could I actually do it? was like, boy, it'd be nice if I just had a little bit more horsepower to keep up. Because if it's a racing analogy, like through the corners, I'm pretty quick. But once we get on the straightaway, like, you're gone. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't look back on any of this and say like, oh, I wish I could have, should have. Like, this is my reality. And the only thing I can do is be the best I can be. And, and I think the one thing I sort of like have some solace in is like, I can't believe I beat you. Like, you're, if I had your distance, I would smoke you. <laughs> but I don't. And like, uh-huh. it's got to be a little bit annoying. Like sort of chipping on, you know, biting at your heels all the time and then beating you. Yeah. Like, oh man. Because when I played, we were talking about 2011 and 12, for years prior and well, I left after that, I, I moved to another section, but Frank Esposito and I were always sort of one too. And he hits these like majestic high shots and it's all beautiful and like, you know, that's really hard to beat. And it, it, I would, I don't know, hope Frank doesn't hear it but like it's got to be annoying if somebody's sort of nipping at your heels and they don't have what you have and they beat you yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it was just because 
I worked harder than other people. Yeah. And so, you know, this morning I was out there at 6.30, it's freezing. By the way, it was freezing on Tuesday and Wednesday. And yesterday hitting balls was cold. And then today it was like, it almost felt warm. I didn't have three layers on. <laughs> Five layers on. And then obviously if we go to like 2015, and I, you know, watching that, you know, I saw a YouTube clip of you getting in the studio a little bit and, and your crew getting in there with you. And, oh, yeah. And then talking about like Gaffney's army being out there supporting you, making the cut, your reaction, making that birdie there in 18, shooting 71 in the final round. Like, what what is that like when you're there as the only PGA club pro to make the cut? You're standing there at the end of the tournament with Jason Day, like the pictures of you two. Like, what is that experience like? Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, obviously pretty cool. Um, but I don't think, <laughs> but, I don't That's think understatement. Yeah. but I don't think about 2015, like whistling straights, right? Like, the first things that come to mind don't, don't necessarily feel like the pictures after, mm-hmm. at, you know, standing over Jason Day, like Jason Day says, uh, sticks his hand out and says, nice playing. I'm like, uh, you too. Like, <laughs> that's all we have. Right. Yeah. Um, and then someone took a picture and Taylor made did this really neat thing where they took a picture or they got the picture of the two of us. And, uh, cause there's, it's like a wedding. They take like a thousand pictures. Like you're in, you're out. Okay. You guys in, then this people are in like, there's a ton of that. So it's a, it's a big sort of wash of time. Like mm-hmm. you don't really remember that, but Taylor made, um, framed the picture and had Jason day sign it. Oh, and it cool. says, I think something like from one champ to another. So that part's really cool, but yeah, yeah. you know, he hasn't sent Christmas cards or anything. Yeah, yeah, like that. So yeah. we have no interaction, and and, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but but what I remember more about 2015 is, um, you know, I worked really hard that year to be prepared, and um, it was a goal. Back in 14, see if you finish in the top 20 in the in the PPC. You're exempt into the PPC the next year. Mm-hmm. So 14, playing well in 14, was more about, okay, <laughs> no, it was 15, sorry, 15. I played well in the qualifier in 15 to get in the PGA in 15. Mm-hmm. Because if I finished top 20, that got me into the qualifier for Baltusrol the next year. So 15 was more about 16. Mm-hmm. And so when I... So that was a big accomplishment for me to finish top 20. And then when I went out to Whistling Straits um, prior to play some practice rounds to get an idea of it, I was like, this is the most difficult golf course I've ever seen in my whole life. There's something like 1,500 bunkers there. So thinking about Whistling Straits at the end was more about the validation of like of the hard work. Yeah. And it wasn't sort of standing there with Jason Day. Like, that was nice. Right. I think... Making that par putt on 18 um, to shoot under par on a Sunday in a major championship, and 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 the relief, like I really wanted to make that putt. Um, so that those are the things I remember. So here's the backstory of the things I really remember: 2015, 18th hole, final round, major championship. It's uh, this is gonna be a little bit long. I'll try and cut it back. The 18th hole at, at Whistling Straits is I don't know, like 500 yards. It goes up flattens out and then goes down par and four par four and and um and the down part there's like it's now penalty area so hazard at the time everywhere around the front and the left side of the green and um fescue up on the right side of the green and it's it's really difficult when i looked at my yardage book um 
uh, the first practice round, I, I hit two drives and they didn't get to the fairway. Wow. And so um, the second day, it was 264 yards to get to the fairway. And we know how far I hit. <laughs> so 64 carry. Carry to the edge. To, now, there's, the fairway's kind of like tilted, sort of front right to long left. Mm -hmm. So, depending on where you carry the fairway, it gets longer. Right. But there's bunkers down the left. So, I can't get into those bunkers because then I'm dead. Um, and the fairway, if you hit it in the fairway, like there's another fairway to the left after the bunker. So, you will get there. But I had to hit a drive one time. I was in the fairway. And I had to hit it to the other fairway to then get to the green, wow. like three shots. Okay, so day two, um, Tuesday, we're playing a practice round, and they have a long drive contest on hole number two. And there's a stage and all this stuff and the flags. It's really cute. And I hammer one. Good launch angle, maybe even a little bit downwind. Spin rate's good. Like, all of this <laughs> is money. And it takes them a little while, so we're walking off the tee to announce. And they said 264. I finished second to last in the long drive contest, and I smoked it. So, so it's crazy. So, um, round one, um, we start the tournament. We're going to get to round four. I'm sorry. Round one, um, Please take I start on the back this nine. Is, this is awesome. I start on the back nine, and um, I'm like the first group off greens are perfect. And the only thing I can do is putt. So, I get to um, 17, and uh, I'm leading the tournament. Now it's only the front nine, you know, it's the first nine, whatever, but I'm at three under through uh, like whatever it's seven holes, eight holes. And I three putted the second hole to make bogey. Um, and it's like the only thing I can do is putt and I'm messing that up. So I made four birdies um, after the second hole. So I get to 18 and I, I'm pretty nervous, right? I'm excited. Mm -hmm. yeah. I smoke driver and it lands in the fairway. And it gets up there. Yeah. And I'm like, look at this. I'm going for the green. <laughs> and I get up there and I've got, um, I forget what it is, like 259 or something to carry. And it's like 271 of the hole. So I have to hit eight iron to the other fairway. And then I have to hit nine iron. Now it's dead into the wind. And I hit this nine iron. It's 149, pins back. And so there's no way I'm going to reach it, but I'm pretty excited. And as I hit it, and as I come through impact, the club is like, the ball in the club is really clean. And it's in the wind, and it's like flying dead at the flag. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this might not be the front. It might be the middle of the green. This is going to be great. Because I'm just going to take my bogey and get out of there. And then it's like flying. It's going to go towards the hole. This is going to be, this is going to be pretty close. Whew, right over the back of the green. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I make double. So... Um, it goes in a bunker, impossible bunker shot. It ends up there's a rock between the club and the ball, left a big mark on the face because I thought I had a good shot. And I had like 70 feet coming back the other way. And uh, I couldn't even see it. My caddy said the ball ran all the way out off it. So, and I two putted that. Anyway, I get to 18, final round, and I hit another really good drive. And I'm in the fairway, and I'm like, I'm going for it. And. I'm just about ready to hit the shot. I'm standing behind the ball. I got my plan. I got my strategy. I know what I'm going to do. And I'm standing there, and my caddy's just to the right. And um, and I said, hey, this is this is pretty cool here, right? And he's like, what? <laughs> he, and, he, and he's like, wait, uh, what? And I said, just take a moment here. Look at this. Like, the, the 
the 18th green and the 9th green are near each other and all the corporate stuff and all the tents and there's a zillion people up there and all the different colors of shirts and stuff. It's just a really pretty view and there's a fescue and these hills and mounds and I was like, this is beautiful, isn't it? Like, we should just take this moment in. So when you ask like Jason Day, that's cool, but like, this is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And here I am in the moment. And I hit the worst hybrid off the bottom of the heel and like <laughs> squared it right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just hit this shot this bad. And so now I have to get, you know, I've got 46 yards over like a short-sided, you know, pins front left over a bunker and it's an impossible shot. And I know that shot. I know how to hit that shot. And I ultimately got it up and down. And so I really think- good. Really good. Good. It, it was great like, shot. It was like, it was like six, eight feet. Yeah. I know, I, I saw it. It wasn't like and some then I, bladed like right. 25 footer. And then I made that putt. And the, making that putt just sort of like sealed the deal for me that like I did it mm -hmm. and I can do it. And so, you know, when I think like, yeah, the Jason Day and the pictures and the 18th green and then like doing a speech and stuff, like all of that is cool. But, you know, my, my caddy's been through all of this with me. He's lugging this thousand pound bags with his brains out you know and like here we are and I say let's take a moment to enjoy this and I basically shank a hybrid mm -hmm. you know and, and there's the reality of what I am and so you know when I think about 2015 um there was there was one other thing that that sort of messed up 2015 I I got really nervous on round two like I had been playing well I was ready um and and the round I make double on 18 in round one to kind of mess up the round shoot even par or, or one under. Yeah, one under. Or um, 71 for sure. Yeah. And 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 I made more birdies in, or, or tied the number of birdies. I think I made six or seven birdies that round. But I kept hitting my driver in the rough. So I have to chip out and then hit a six iron on the green. But I got nervous on round two because like now I'm actually going to make a cut. And I started fumbling around on the back nine and made some bogeys. But I made the cut. And then I was like, okay, I get this. I know what I can do here. I'm teeing off at like noon on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And um, I was surprised in that on round one, uh, on uh, the first hole on Saturday, I'm playing with Cheston Hadley. We hit our drives like basically right next to each other. I'm like a yard ahead of him, like five, 10 feet from him. I'm ready. I got my yardage. I got my club. I got everything in my hand. I'm ready to go. And he still doesn't even have a club. And and he's away and I'm like I'm ready if you want me to go and he looked at me and he's like sure give me something good to look at I'm like okay and I hit it to like 10 feet and make birdie and and so I knew I was like I was comfortable I know this position mm -hmm. and, and I'm playing good enough golf to know that I'm going to be okay however far I hit it right. so we're walking off the sixth tee and uh, an official comes over to us and um, he says, gentlemen, you're four minutes behind. You need to pick up the pace right away. And I'm like, I can't believe we're slow. Like, I'm not the slow guy. It's this guy. Yeah. So the sixth hole has a big blind shot over a mound. And so my caddy, Bill Hurley, runs up to the hill and he shows me where to hit it. And I say, okay, get out of the way. And I look and it's, it's right at the right side of the, the uh, bleacher. It's, it's a tel the TV tower. So I hit it, I get ready, I hit it straight, it comes right down the right edge of the TV tower. No, you, you can tell when you hit a good shot, a bad shot, no reaction from the two grandstands behind it. I'm like, that was a good shot. <laughs> you guys be crazy here? And I, and I go, I put my hands up like this and I say to Hurls, where is that? And he shows me like, he points like right. 
Like you're out of your mind. I hit it exactly where you told me. I go stomping up that hill. I get to the top of the hill. It was the right edge of the bleacher, the grandstand, not the right edge of the tower. And in my haste of like, we need to rush, I didn't take the time to do it. Now I got it up and down and, you know, got through the next hole and I got on the eighth hole. It's a really long, brutal, it's one of those 500 yard par fives. And you tee off up to like a blind fairway. And we go, I said to my caddy, let's go, let's hustle. So we go down the valley, up the hill, it's a steep hill, get to the top and your ball's only, my ball's only like 30 yards up into the fairway. And so I've got like whatever it is, 200, 200 yards or 215 or something. And uh, I was kind of huffing and puffing, like, and I wasn't quite ready. And I went through this routine of what I need to do, take a deep breath, you know, whatever. And, and I was a little bit out of breath and I whiffed it to the right. I said, oh man, why do I have to rush this? Mm -hmm. But long story short, we couldn't find the ball. There's 2,000 people to the left of the green. Wow. There's a guy in a little chair as a spotter, and it almost hit him. And he's like, I never saw it, never heard it. So now my heart rate starts getting up. And now I got to go back to 215 yards or whatever and hit another five iron. And so ultimately, I've got five minutes. I'm looking all around, and I find it. And it's buried in between all these bunkers, plugged just a couple inches above the bunker. And I'm like, ah. I found it. And, uh, and I said to the official, he's there. And I said, so I'll take a drop. I'll get a drop from this. Mm -hmm. And he says, you don't get a drop from that. So what are you talking about? I said, we're not in a penalty area here. And he says, it's in a sandy area. I said, whoa, I don't remember anything about sandy area. I like whip out my rule sheet. I'm looking at this and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't remember anything about this. He says, you don't get relief from a sandy area. So as a player, I have the right to get another opinion. Mm -hmm. So I say, time out, like, I, I, you know, my head is spinning now. Like yeah. five minutes, we're behind. behind. These guys have been waiting in the fairway before I ever started looking for my uh -huh. ball. And I'm the only club pro. Like, I can't be that guy. Right. Chesson, of course, is like, you know, five under through seven or something. And he hits it to two feet. And I'm looking for my ball. And, and so all of this is getting me really anxious. So I get another official. I ultimately do get my drop. And, and I just, I take my bogey. Well, on the next hole, I had... I hit a drive in the fairway and I had like 164 and I'm like, buddy, I'm jacked right now. Like, I just need to hit a nine iron on the front edge of the fairway and like two pipe. I hit this nine iron and it is right at the flag and it flew 167. Wow. And now I'm like, I got problems. Like I hit a nine iron, 135 yards, 40 yards. I got problems. Mm -hmm. And so my heart rate is racing in my body. And it's funny. I got the chills. Yeah. I couldn't <laughs> slow down. So I make, Bogiani, I make, I'm, I'm all jacked up. And so I, I make a bogey on 10, horrible bogey. Cause I'm trying to like swing softer than I do when I hit it in the bunker. Mm -hmm. um, and it plugs in the face of the bunker. 11's a reachable par five for those guys. I can't reach it. I end up like going for it and I hit it out of a bunker. So I, I miss it left. I've got like a 50 yard bunker shot. I skull it over the grandstand. Now my heart rate is going berserk. So I get a drop between two grandstands in the fescue. I flood it. I get it up and down for seven. Wow. I get on the next hole. I've got 141 yards on a par three. And I'm like, I just got to hit this pitching wedge on the front edge of the green. I fly the green. It goes through a cart path up the hill in the fescue. Oh my gosh. I have to hit two chips down the hill. Again, now my heart rate is like. Right. Really just, <laughs> now here's the problem. <laughs> that 
official. That's like my golf game. Right? Messed That's up a- my tournament. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I messed it up because I don't have the talent. But we're on that par three. We finished the par three. Again, I got it up and down for like bogey or double. I forget what it was. And I'm talking about like crazy good up and downs. And I say, Chesson, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't know we were behind. Like, I'm trying to keep it up. And he's like, dude, they'll never say anything. They'll never do anything. You can play as slow as you want. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) What? And so all the joy and all the excitement of playing well and all that preparation from, we're talking 15, 2015 to start the year, to get ready for Baltusrol the next year, is culminating in this moment. And what? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, so all the wind is out of my sails. So I, I par the last, whatever it is, five, six holes. And we're done. Nobody in the house is excited. Nobody around is excited. You know, like all my family and stuff. Mm-hmm. This, this Gaffney's Army thing was two guys that I played a practice round at Philly Cricket Club in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I want to come back to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, everybody, like, nobody knows what to say to me. I don't know what to say to anybody. I don't even know how to act because, like, I'm the reason all of this excitement happened for everyone. And all this joy was because I brought it for this reason. And now I ruined it for everybody because I don't know how to deal with the situation. Now, those are the experiences that now propel me going forward. So when I'm in that situation, an official comes over, I'm like, walk with me, explain exactly what happens. Because I wanna know who gets penalized, when they get penalized, if it's a fine, if it's a letter in my locker, I want to know all this and I want you to validate it from another official as I walk at my pace. Because I'm not going to ruin my heart rate and my event and my preparation for a couple years, dude, right. to ruin it now. That, and that kind of embodies like where the PGA Tour is today. Like when you, That's a huge topic of conversation, mm-hmm. something that we spoke a lot about, the difference between like a guy like Patrick Cantlay yeah. to Matty Fitz being ready to hit. Yeah. I know you want to dive into this Philly cricket. Yeah. This is something we talked a lot about. So uh, I'm actually going to grab my phone. I need you. I need you to. I need you to explain this to me first. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, this, this on the drive up. He said, but "Listen, I don't know how I'm coming up with Philly cricket club or where that's going to come up, but." This you, is you open this the door. Is still, this I don't know what it is, but yet. you guys need to. This is the re- dirt. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is the kind of stuff you need to like scare guys with. <laughs> this is, he's got he's got something here that this was like. I got. I got by the a, way, timing wise, like we can do whatever we want, playing and like don't worry about that. Okay. What time? You know what time is it? Ten eleven. Okay. Um, I got a picture here that I think is from Whistling Straits, so it's before we get to Philly cricket. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of want to hear the story of this picture. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let me see the picture. Yeah, it's a picture. If this isn't on video, it's a picture of uh, me parking <laughs> in Tiger Spot. So at the PGA Championship, um, past champions have their own parking spots. Oh, nice. And. Um, yeah, so they park there and, and I park, you know. Hold on, wait a second. A That's your car? That's my car. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, no, no, no. That's not my car. That's <laughs> my Mercedes that you get for the week. That's yeah. okay. But yeah. I still was no, Okay, I was just told car I was week. just told to ask about ask about the asshole that parked in Tiger's spot. I didn't know it was yours. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the the players the past champions have their own parking spots. And it's kinda neat. The sign says Tiger Woods in the years they won. Mm. Um, 
and um, <laughs> okay, so these are the things people need to know. Um, so Sunday morning, t- uh, Tiger missed a cut. He's not there. Mm. Um, Sunday morning, you know, because I messed up on Saturday, I'm, I'm, you know, the first guy off at dark. Yeah. And like, that's its own buzzkill. Um, but, uh, so Sunday morning I go to the golf course and we're like a little bit late because it's so dark. We're driving to the golf course and it's dark. And, um, I get to the golf course and my brother who was, was there visiting has his, his car and he's behind me. And I think I've got like a special parking pass for him or something. But as we get right to the like last security check, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot my shoes. I forgot my golf shoes for the final round of a major championship. Genius, right? I'm like, oh shoot. So I stop the car, I go to my brother and I say, can you go back to the house to get my shoes? Now I'm like an hour away from my tea time, but it's kind of dark. And um, (laughs) he was a race car driver, he drove professionally for years. And, And the house is like 10 miles away. So, Again, my heart rate's gonna, you know, speed up. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm gonna mess up. And and so, I'm like, oh shoot. So uh, I tell the security, he's going to come. He's gonna get my golf shoes. He's got that car right there. He's gonna be back in a couple minutes. Can you please let him in? So, I go in, and we're in a bit of a rush. I park in the front spot up by the front of the clubhouse, and it's Tiger Woods spot. I'm like, well, he's not gonna be here. So. I need to get everything ready so that my shoes, when they come, I can just change the parking lot or whatever and and go. So that's why the car is there. We go in the clubhouse and come out and my brother's there. I'm like, this is like 10 minutes later. I'm like, do you, and he's carrying my shoes. And I'm like, did you, did you have them? And he's like, no, I ran back to the house. And my caddy, Bill Hurley, was a former police officer detective. And he laughs and he says, I'm not going to ask you how fast you went. <laughs> and so I was talking to my brother later and he's like, yeah, I would have been in huge trouble if I got pulled because he would have been going, you know, a zillion miles an hour. But the reason we parked that spot there and, and that's you know, funny. he's not going to be there. So this is okay. So yeah. I just parked there. And, and it's a good watch, picture. Watch, yeah. You should just stood in front of the picture and just saved that right there, you know? That's funny. Uh, so going to Philly cricket, you guys, um, you and you and Hurls get to go, you know, do a practice round there. Mm-mm. What's the what's the? No, Bill Hurls just uh, Bill Hurley. He's the just in case this isn't on video. He's the caddy master at um, Rumson Country Club. When I was at Rumson Country Club, he never caddied for me. When I left and went up to New York, he said, "Hey, I can caddy for you in this, this and this if you need me to." And it started off as like a one day U.S. Open local or something, and then it went to U.S. Open sectional, and then it went to like, "Hey, can you?" Caddy in this, and can you come to me with the yeah. the PPC? And and he is awesome. Um, he, he's learned my style, and mm-hmm. and and he's he knows when to tell a silly story about a member that we know yeah. at Rumson, and he knows when to tell somebody to back off. Yeah. Um, so he's a huge asset. I went out, same thing, to just go play a practice round one afternoon. Um, I talked to the pro, and and there's two golf courses, so I played. I guess I played morning and afternoon that day, and uh, I got. He, the pro put me with a group. So there's three guys and we'd be the fourth. 
And so, you know, just being friendly with these people, I said, look, I'm just playing practice. I don't want to kind of stay out of your way. And they were super accommodating. And, and they became, at the end of that round, they became like sort of friendly. And then at the end, one of the guys is a member. And he said, hey, let's keep in touch. And I'd love to just follow you during the week of the event. So during the PPC at Philly Cricket Club, they, those two guys came. There was a third. He wasn't there. They came and they like followed me along. <laughs> and, and so that creates a strange bond, you know, that like, cool. we've all sort of been through this thing together, yeah. right guys? Yeah. Well, one of them, a guy named Thomas Pablo, Brett Danko is the member. Thomas Pablo is a real, uh, just a guy full of life and energy and, and awesome ideas to make things fun. He's like, I'm coming out to Whistling Straits. Like, I've got to see this whole thing through. And he made up for like my wife and my dad and like my brother and a couple others, these like five or 10 t-shirts that say Gaffney's Army. Yeah. That's really cute. <laughs> I'm a pretty low key, like I don't want any attention mm -hmm. or anything. And so first round goes along and all of a sudden I'm getting these interviews like, oh, you're the club brother, play well. And then, and then they're like, what about this Gaffney's Army thing? And I'm like, ah, oh, uh, it's nothing, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> but what I didn't know is Thomas Pablo went out to like Walmart and bought all the gray t-shirts he could find and got a black Sharpie and wrote Gaffney's Army. And all these people are asking for t-shirts and like, now they're cheering. And you know, I'm hitting it over into like the fescue and they're like, there's a Gaffney's Army with a, with like a. And, and so then, like, he's talking to them, and, like, this is his wife, and this is his dad, and you got to know his brother, and blah, 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 blah. And so now, all of a sudden, there's these people who are like, hi, I, I'm so-and-so. I've got your T-shirt. Like, yeah, oh, I'm in part of the Army. Okay, so like, I enlisted. <laughs> so, again, think of the energy that just got sucked out the window on Saturday. All these people were like, all these people. We're talking about 10, 15 people. Right? But it's still, it still is all these people. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like they're there for you. Yeah. There's this, like... So now they're, you're saying they're there for me. I've got this sort of like, I've got this responsibility to like act the right way, pay attention to them, you know, like give back what they've given to me. Mm -hmm. And so that might be a little high five or it might be like, you know, shaking a kid's hat, yeah. you know, that he's got a little t-shirt on. And so I saw the sort of responsibility at that moment. And I accepted that because at the time, I was comfortable in my skin because I knew who I was and what I was doing as a player mm -hmm. that I can give back and make an impression. Again, that got sucked out on Saturday, but I got it back on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward, go to 16. Thomas Pablo makes up like 50 or 100 T-shirts. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, the members from Rumson Country Club are close to Baltashall. They all showed up. But so did the people from White Beaches. So did the people from Essex wow. Fells. So the people who have been in my life mm -hmm. and they're wearing t-shirts. And so one of the things when you oh, say like, what about the Jason you. day, like picture on yeah. the like, like yeah, that's... I don't want to say, and I don't want to diminish that, but like, you want to see a cool picture? There's a cool picture of all the people who have been in my life for the last 20 years that Thomas Pablo put together at Baltashall. And there's a picture of all of us. And there I am sitting in the middle. And it's like, oh, I get kind of oh, choked up. That's, yeah. that, that's like, yeah. that's more important to me than yeah. the Jason Day look at the famous guy. No doubt. I think, I think when you're able to share an experience like that, that far exceeds the Jason Day thing. Mm -hmm. No yeah. doubt. Because yeah. you've now seen 
How many like true people are there to support you that are friendly with you yeah. and, and, and basically are advocating mm-hmm. for you to do really well? That, that makes you feel but there's another that's part, it's a wonderful life moment. Yeah, but there's a wonderful there's a, there's a part to this that, that you don't know that that I'll share, but it's pretty painful. So I left to take this job where I was gonna make a ton of money. And um, I'm leaving my identity of New Jersey and being a you know whoever I am in New Jersey, which whatever. I go to New York and I'm a new guy and that's fine. The job, I was, I knew that first year I was the wrong guy. Now I had uprooted my family and my life and this unbelievable job I had at Rumson Country Club where like I was the king of the world. Like my wife and kids were at the beach all day on the, in the summer and like I could come home from work and meet them at the beach. That's what I mean, like the king of the world. It wasn't like golf wise, it was like, we are here. Mm-hmm. This is it. I get it. This is my life. So I uprooted everybody. And then I realized this is not the right job for me. I can't fulfill what they are. And it got really difficult for me. So 14, I get the job. 15, I qualify for the PGA. I get all this cool stuff happening. I know in 14, I'm not really the right guy. I got some new staff. I got some new things that didn't change anything. And so at the end of 15, I knew like, wow, this is bad. And I'm, gonna, I'm, in, I'm not doing great. So I go to 16 and I know now that I've changed even more of the staff and the situations, this isn't gonna work. I'm the wrong guy for this and I don't know what to do. And so emotionally I'm in a really bad place mm-hmm. and I know they don't like me and I know I need to go. So there's a video, I'm on the 17th hole, nothing could have gone worse at Ball Strong as a player. Like, I was prepared, but I started hitting it really bad. But in my heart, like, I'll beat you because of my heart mm-hmm. and my, my soul won't give up. My talent is sort of short on that. But my heart is stronger than my talent. And so I was hitting it so bad, but I kept it together. And I knew I needed to birdie 17 18 to make the cut. And I can. I know I can. Um, but I'm swinging, and I know this with my driver, seven degrees down and eight degrees left. So I'm hitting these like block spinny whip, not block, spinny horrible cuts that are yeah. going 235. So it's fine, I can make it around the golf course doing that. Um, I've got a wedge into 17, and somebody had the video where I hit the wedge, and as I went to my finish, I like swung backwards really hard and like swung forwards really hard, and I took the club and I slammed it in the bag, and I hit it to like 10 feet. And the guy was like, well, what's your problem? Now, Hurls was running up and grabbing the divot, so he didn't really see any of that. And um, he asked me, like, later that night after I missed a cut and uh, showed me the video, I said, you know, that was just a, that had nothing to do with golf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was where my heart was and my yeah. soul. And I knew this, I knew my world <clears throat> was falling apart. And so we're going to get to the picture, but I then, I then, um, I need to eagle 18 to make the cut, and I hit my three wood. I'm going for it in two. I end up making par. I miss the birdie putt on 17. I, I hit a good drive on 18. I got three wood into the green. The pin's front right, and I hit my three wood, and I just pushed it a hair because you have to go in the left corner of the green. I do. And it looks like it's going to, it might, but it's going dead at the flag. It's like three feet left of the flag. This could be unbelievable. It hits the bank just short of the green, and that's a real steep bank. Bounces up to the right and rolls down the hill. But as it rolls down the hill, it goes through the bunker and up into the backside of the bunker. 
So I've got a downhill lie, straight uphill to this. It's like an impossible shot. And I hit an amazing shot and it lands just at the top. It bounces up and it comes all the way back down. Mm. And so it's at my feet. I get it up and down to make par. I missed a cut by a couple or whatever it was. And it was like, I have to go back now to where they don't like me and I'm the wrong guy. And then here somebody does this thing where they take a picture of everybody who cares about me. Yeah. So if you think about that, like oh, that's a tough thing to put in reality. So that was, that was my world. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I was dead in the water at that job. And I, there were no jobs other than Baltusrol. And I knew I wasn't the right guy for the job, but I thought if I make the cut at Baltusrol, maybe I can finagle something with Baltusrol. Mm -hmm. And I missed the cut. So my job, my life, I missed the cut. I can't do the Baltusrol thing. And it was like, all of this is falling apart and here's all the people who care about me, who really care about who I am. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. got it, yeah. You know, so it was like, that was a tough pill and to swallow in my life. Um, but, you know, now fast forward, who knew that all the bad things that were happening at the time mm -hmm. were gonna culminate in this, what we talked about before, where my kids are welcome. Yeah. Where my wife helps me in the shop. Yeah. You know, where like the staff supports me and like, not that they didn't there, but just it's different. It's different. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, we talk, now I'm back to me. I can be who I am again. And, and I don't mean to diminish Quicker Ridge and all that stuff, but it's just when you're the wrong guy at the wrong place, it's just right. the wrong, it's not the right thing. Right. It doesn't, right. It doesn't demean that place so, at all. It just, so now just, yeah. look at the playing. You're talking about like you know, your career. When I came back here, I was pretty emotionally battered. Mm -hmm. And so I get this job and I'm very thankful for that. We've got to move the kids again. We've got to get a new school. We've got to find a place to live. We've got to like, you know, normal stuff that everyone else does, yeah, right? No doubt. no doubt. But if you look at my playing, for the first time, I, I don't mean this in a, I like humility, but like for the first time, I'm not in the top five in this section. I finished like 20th or 25th. And then I finished 20th the next year. And I'm like, maybe I lost it. Maybe I'm, maybe that really emotionally bruised me. And so it wasn't until last year that if you look at my stats and where I finished, it was the first year that I started to play better. And so I won the, the, the senior PPC mm -hmm. last summer. I practiced for it, I focused on it, I won it. And when Dominated. they, when they, when, you know, nobody's there, they're like, oh, you gotta give a speech. And I'm like, there's seven people there. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, they do that for the section and that's cool. And, and, and it's a much smaller field of players and there's not as many to, that you need to beat who are really focused on playing as a senior. And, and so I said, guys, this is the first time I've won anything since 2013. And they were like, what? And I, you know, and I thought like, you, you don't know how much this means to me. Mm -hmm. Like the, the silly New Jersey senior PGA championship. I mean, it's a big deal. Don't, I don't mean that, but like, it's not, you know, yeah. Right. So, so that was the first time that I've seen any real playing success since, really, 2015. Mm -hmm. I made it to 2016 because I had the will to do it, right. to qualify in 2016. But it was more about Baltusrol and yeah. coming back to New coming Jersey home, to play. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But as you said, you were you were emotionally bruised. And bruises can take time to heal, mm -hmm. and it's taken a few years yeah. for it to heal, yeah. and then you've, yeah. again, put your back better than yeah, ever now. Exactly. So now you're chomping at the bit. So now, like, things are in order. Yeah. And um, 
you know, my faith is really strong. Uh, my kids are good. Uh, so like now it's about where am I going with this job, with this career, the next whatever years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm inspired more now. And it doesn't really have to do with the playing, but I think the playing kind of is a, is a canary in the coal mine of where your heart and your mind is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm playing better because I'm practicing, but I'm practicing because my job is in order. I'm practicing because my family is in order. Mm-hmm. I know that every night I need to be home at six for dinner, so I can't practice at night. My wife's great about like, yeah, go play a couple holes. Mm-hmm. But, but I know my only time to practice is morning. So now I'm doing that because I've got things in order and I've got the staff with their job responsibilities and their expectations of what they need to do. And so they're doing what they need to do and it's like, okay. So this one has taken me a little bit of time to get back in order, but I feel like I'm, I'm moving forward with this and it's pretty good. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about um, the senior PGA championship, but the reality is it's hard to practice when it's freezing and, and last week was the first week it was nice. Yeah. Well, I leave next week to go to qualify for the PGA Championship. And I know what it takes to do that. And it's not easy. That's not having Mexico, right? Yeah. 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 It's not easy not having any prep to then like, oh, go do this. And I've never had lessons, so I've got to kind of figure it out by digging holes. Mm-hmm. And like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. But I'm, but I'm optimistic. Yeah, um, for sure. So let's let's kind of like come full circle and kind of talk about a little bit with the New Jersey thing. So like one of the questions I always like to ask people, um, especially people like you that have played a lot of golf at different spots in, in the state. Like for the audience, they always like to hear maybe um, a, a public spot that you would recommend. And if they got invited to a private spot, it's kind of like drop what they're doing and go play now. I need to preface this. Pine Valley's out because sure. the idea of getting there. And your home track here has yeah. it spells it out too. Because I know some people like to say their own. So like That's an easy one. Yeah. It goes so, the same. Yeah, because the views here are unbelievable. <laughs> so it, can you give us a public and a private that you'd recommend to the yeah. audience? And and I'm different in that um, the the golf course or the you know, the architecture or the history and all of that doesn't weigh in as much as, and you might see this and realize this in our conversation, is the feelings I've had at that golf course. Mm-hmm. That gives me more than the quality or the, the design or the amazing sort of bunker structure you see on a mm-hmm. Walter Travis or a Donald Ross or you know all the different golf courses that right. are awesome designers here in the state. So, um, yeah, so let's just take for that, let's just take sort of Baltusrol um, Ridgewood and you know lump in all the others that are that top tier I say top tier I don't mean it you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, so hands down Plainfield Country Club first private club that comes to mind because I was fortunate enough that my parents were members there but I wasn't like taking lessons and hanging out you know grinding away at the range um, I was working on the maintenance crew in the morning and then I would jump from there to caddy and then after caddying I could then hit balls, but I wasn't even like very good at golf and I wasn't even that interested in golf Mm -hmm. that once I realized what I had, then I really took advantage of the opportunity. Like I would shower after I was done caddying and go straight to the range. Okay. So plain field. Now understand that the golf course that I worked at is not the same golf course. What they've done to that golf course is mind blowing. 
from what I saw and what I did there working, like the trees they cut, took out, what they've done to, got literally every hole is different. But like when I see that second green sitting out on the hill, um, it's it, for those who haven't played it, it's a par four straight away, um, like 450 yards that the fairway kind of canters to the left. And then there's a valley that goes down and it goes up a steep hill to this green that's a upside down bowl tilted to the left with a bunker on the right, the only safe place you can hit it. And everything on the f short side and the left side and now the back is shaved. There used to be a circle of pine trees behind that. And now that just sits exposed. And, and I think I'm okay. And I sit in the middle of the fairway and I'm like, begging to land a, you know, a seven iron somewhere on top of that hill because I know it always goes down to the left because I pull it every time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that challenge is there. And, and, and what I see in that is just the beauty of majestic design that somebody did this so long ago and that they didn't mess it up, you know? Like they, they honored and kept the tradition and, uh, and now it's just off the charts. Um, so that's, that's private. High end, if you ever get the chance, drop what you're doing, go play Plainfield Country Club. Just know you're gonna shoot a million, because it's really hard. Okay, and then and then here's the hard part about, you know, again, the emotional side of like, what brings me joy. Um, Old Orchard is down by the Jersey Shore. Wow. Wow. And it's got some really fun holes. Did you brought it that done. up. Yeah. Like, early episodes, you said it had like great bones it's the bones, the bones there. right? I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm a huge dog person. I love dogs, right? But I wouldn't host dog fights there. That's how bad of shape it's in. Right, it's not, it's, yeah. But the bones there are so good, right. so good. And so, here's why. Um, uh, when I was at Rumson as a head pro, um, we, I would take the staff to go play golf. Guys, let's put on shorts. Let's, you know, get a couple beers and let's go have some fun. Well, the first year I did it, my assistant, who will ne remain nameless, he liked Jack Daniels. So, like, I planned this whole thing out where our wives, there were four of us, were going to, um, we took a car, and the wives were going to pick up that car and pick us up in another car um, to go home. We were going to have dinner at our house. So, play golf, have dinner. But they didn't know we were going to drink as much as we were going to drink. So I brought a bottle of Jack Daniels. Now I don't drink much. I brought a Jack, bottle of Jack and put it in my golf bag. And I said, okay, guys, we got a couple beers in the cooler and yeah. like, you know, did that. So I said, all right, guys, the guy with the highest score at the end of the first hole has to take a drink. And they're like, all right, so we got a couple beers. And, and we're drinking a little bit before, you know. And, and so I took, because I didn't want anybody to know who I was. I got shorts. I got a different, kind, you know, plain shirt. And I got one of those plastic two demo bags that says like Tommy Armour oh, demo yeah. on the side, right? And I got different head covers and I took like half my clubs. So we finished the first hole and they're like, all right, somebody's gotta drink some beer. And I'm like, hold on. And I pull out this bottle. And so that guy had to take a shot. Yeah. And that shot was um, a bottle of Jack. Well, by the fifth hole, you know, everybody's drinking it. Right? Yeah. So by, by the time we get to like, you know, the 18th hole, I had also put a football in my golf bag, and so we were going to throw the ball around. So, so when you talk about like golf courses, what brings me joy is the experiences I've had. Now the tenth hole there is this big dog leg, right? Yep. So now we had a couple of drinks, and now like 
who's the bold guy who's going to carry the corner? And we couldn't find the balls, and we're like, all right, forget, we'll skip this hole. And, you know, so we did all of that. Well, that turned into like, you know, then we had a caddy that came with us the next year, and then we had a couple groups, and then I've got a frisbee and a football, and, and, and we were there at, you know, six o'clock at, you know, maybe we played at four or six o'clock at night. And so at the end of that day, we finished that bottle of Jack Daniels, and inside of it, one of the flags was all tattered and falling apart. Well, he pulled off a corner. That went into the bottle, and we all signed the bottle. So, like, I can walk you through a bunch of the holes, and, 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 because I remember it with such joy. And the Island Green is like before we really had any drinks, so it was really like a yeah. tough shot. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who had messed up had already done two shots. Like <laughs> this is now this is not the you know ideal thing you're supposed to do as a head golf professional and a mentor and guidance for these people who are growing in the business. But like that brought me joy. And the 18th hole is really hard it if is. you don't if you're not like functioning the right way. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a bet there. So, so that, you know, they were good in accommodating us. Um, and, and, and we did that every year and we, you know, we ended up having a cake each year at the end that, that was called the liquor face invitational and it was playing the liquor face invitational. And, and, and so again, playing feels awesome because it's so good, but, but it brings me joy to see it. And then, but it's really difficult. And then, um, uh, old orchard. You know, it, it brings me joy, but there's a small part of me that wants to work there when I'm like 65 years old <laughs> and like clean it up. It's it's so there. Somebody has to come in. It can't it can't get taken away. Yeah. Because there's like inside. I don't know if you got to go inside inside the like, clubhouse. Inside. The, yeah, we did. There, there's so you saw the pic like the 27 Yankees had their end of season. So you saw the picture of Babe Ruth and Luke Eric. Yeah. Looking at the, it's just it's so good. It can't. I really. I do love that that place for its bones, but it is it is it's in rough shape. It's, it's rough. rough shape. Yeah, I used to do a similar golf outing there actually. Oh, funny! It was called the Bushwood Invitational, oh, and it was like um, on the back there, like fifteen or fourteen or fifteen. You had to chug a beer, tee off your tee off your beer can. Um, there was another one with a dizzy bat. Yeah. So you had to the bat was filled. You fill the bat with beer, chug it, Oof. do a dizzy bat, and then Oof. hit your drive. Um, it was a, it was, it was a debacle of, of, uh, of fun, but it was, it was that, it's that kind of course. Yeah. This podcast has certainly gone downhill. (laughs) (laughs) We can get there. But we do have to have joy, right? We can't just be at work all day and talk about, you know, what, what clothing you're going to order for your second spring order and like what clinics you have to run and tournaments coming up for the club and, you know, why the sign up for the mixed, you know season-long event is not exactly right like, yeah. those are the things that slow us down a little bit but we have to find the joy on the other side you do and like you said you're you're out here mentoring young people and you're young in the business getting in, and that needs to be part of it too like you need to have like the end of the day this is a game that we're all involved in and sure. it, we should be having fun with the game sure. and whether it's whether it's once a year going out and and being you know, uh, Mike and I are very different golfers. He's, you know, he's serious. He's taking, you know, I'm the, I'm the let's play music in the cart and you know, let's have some drinks. But like at the end of the day, you gotta, you, you gotta have fun with it. If that's once a year, then you gotta, you yeah, gotta sure. do that. I think that that balance is needed for sure. Yeah. Um. So, so you're, you're, uh, he's different from us, by the way. I didn't text you my answer. Okay. Um, Obviously, you play golf at a super high level. 
And I think golfers are, are innately quirky by nature with, with different quirks or superstitions or things. What are some things that you do when you go play a tournament that you, again, they, they might just be habits that you have, but what are some things that you might, that you might qualify as, as quirky or you might not tell anybody about, but you just happen to do? Yeah, well, and since nobody's listening to this podcast, we're right. like, fine, it's just going to be us. No, Until you start getting some texts like, do yeah. you really do that? Uh, funny. Um, let's see. Uh, I generally use a, a one glove for the entire tournament. Um, and if I'm playing well, uh, like, I, I will, I'll just keep using that ball. And if that ball is kind of beaten up, I'll still use it mm -hmm. for the whole round. Yeah. Um, those are the two things that kind of come into mind quickly about superstitions. Um, you know, in my pocket, I generally carry one T, one divot repair tool, mm -hmm. and a big and a small ball mark. Okay. I guess that's sort of different. If I have a bunch of T's or more ball marks, it's like, uh, I get confused. It's, it's too much. That's, that's, the, that's usually where the go-to is. Like, some people, like... Like one of the guys we had was like, I always have four T's and, and Mike was like, okay, I'm, I'm putting four T's in. If that's what we're doing, I'm putting four T's in my right pocket. You, got, you guys are way in. better than I am. Right. So like, if that's what works, like, yeah, let me put he's four T's in. Right. He shot 44. Yeah. And it was like, he never <laughs> do it. Never <laughs> put T's in my pocket. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I, again, like we, we think of it as like, I'm a, I'm a one, well, I'm a one ball mark. I have like my poker chip, I got my divot tool, and I have two tees. Yeah. I have a tall one and a short one. And those are always in my right pocket. And that's just what I do. Until we started doing this podcast, I was like, well, everyone's got kind of generally the same thing. But then you figure out that like, no, th that's that's weird as to why I do that. Or like people yeah. are flipping the ball mark over or whatever. Oh, that's oh, not, tying that. yeah. or not tying the not shoe. Not tying the shoes before. The yeah, it's like you get to the first two. I tie my shoes like, no, it yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me a handful of tees, throw it in the yeah. pocket, give me the ball mark, give me the giver tool, yeah. and just go. That's, That's funny. So. Um, uh, okay, so here's another one. If uh, It's not a superstition, but it's something I do, and I, and I think it's just from the agronomy part of me, but um, on a par three, if I can, wherever I want to tee off, I'll try and put my tee right on the back edge of, the, of another divot so that I don't rip up another divot. Okay. Ah, interesting. So, That's a new one. Yeah, that is. So that... So that I'm taking less divots on the yeah, golf course. Yeah, that's that's sort of a weird thing. I'm and I don't like look around for a divot, but if there's one that happens to be there, I'll like do you, that. You, if it if it brings to your eye, you're gonna yeah. Okay. Just oh. so I'm not tearing another divot. Yeah, that's superintendent. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, yeah. it's funny because when I play uh, like like uh, tomorrow is opening day here at the club, and I'll hit a shot with every group, a little hit the green contest, and. So if I'm taking 25 shots, I'm taking 25 divots. So I just take like a quarter of an inch every time. So there's like a, whatever, like a 12 inch divot. Yeah. That's there at the end of the day. <laughs> for 25 shots. Yeah, for 25 yeah, shots. Yeah. That. We did that. Uh, I, I would, you would need to bring a new saw. Well, you, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then ultimately we're, we're a podcast that talks New Jersey, yeah. golfing in New Jersey. Yeah. And um, there is a great debate here in New Jersey. Uh, and, and I don't know if you, you know, with, with weighing 135 pounds, I don't know if you dabble in breakfast meats at all. Mm -hmm. um, but what do you call that particular breakfast meat? Well, it used to be ham, and it was always ham with with uh, with eggs. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm a bacon guy now. Okay. Yeah. 
He's not even dead on him. No, not even. So the pork roll thing. Are you a pork roll or Taylor Ham? What do you What do you call him? Oh man. I think they're the same thing. I think they're the same. Right, the same, we're talking like about or, the same. It's right, all cat or dog or something. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah. If I if I do the same, I feel like Taylor Ham is more like, um, is more like private country club, and pork roll is like public. I like you know, that. so I, I feel like, like yeah. you know, I'm better than you because I eat Taylor Ham <laughs> instead of pork roll. Yeah, listen, we're pork roll guys through and yeah. through. So when people, I think they're the same thing, are they not? It they is not. the same product, yeah, yeah but, no doubt. But, but yeah. it's just what it's called. But I am, I am so refined, you know, as a human being that I, I'm more Taylor Ham. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like oh, that. That's good. So. Um, did you guys bring like a breakfast sandwich? We didn't. No, we no, no, no. It just like, would have been a good thing. Yeah, we, we typically for each of the guests at the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, next time we will definitely bring you one yeah. and let us know which one tastes better. Yeah. Right. But thank you very much for having us here. Yeah. You know, I can't thank you enough for you know letting us to come in person, talk to you, you know, share some of those stories. They're absolutely incredible. Um, and then finally see these pictures out out this window here are just amazing. So. Um, Thank you again. Well, for thank us. you guys for what you do for bringing, um, you know, bringing golf to the people who love it here and, and sharing some of the people that they don't know, um, you know, brings us to some sort of life to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so thanks for all your hard work, and I hope it, I hope this continues to be a success for you guys. Thanks. For sure. Thank you Appreciate so much. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it.